You got an incredible pastor. I love your pastor. He's one of the best men I've ever met. And I've been waiting all weekend to give him a prophetic word, so why not right now? So, Pastor Keith, what the Lord told me is that liberty is not to be an echo, it's to be a trumpet. And that what comes out of liberty, the message that comes out of liberty, even the worship that comes out of liberty, you're going to start writing your own music. You're going to have a message that's unbelievable that God's put in you. It's going to become a national thing. This place is going to get televised at some point in time. And you guys are going to be on the cutting edge of what God is saying and doing. You're going to begin to host leadership meetings here from people that are going to come from all over the place. Because God's doing something really, really good in this place. And so you're to be a trumpet. A trumpet, not an echo. Amen? Amen. So I want to make sure you guys are awake. The first service, they're kind of sleepy. Would you just stand up a second? Just, I want to make sure you put your hand in the air. Put another one down here. Just slap them together. Do it again. Go, Gators. Yeah, good job. Good job. I knew there were Gator fans in here somewhere. Hey, that was good. you like that one? Oh, you guys need to test your discernment around this place. Speaking of gators, we got one up on the screen for you. <laughs> so a deacon in our church, his name's Vernon, lives across the street from a lake, and his neighbor lives on the lake. The neighbor went on vacation. He said, hey, Vernon, will you feed my animals in the backyard and take care of them? He said, sure. Went over there one day at twilight, and there's a huge gator up out of the lake. His kids swim in that lake, so Vernon decided he's going to shoot the gator. He went home, got his 22, got as close to its head as he could, and shot it, and it bounced off. He got upset. He went home, got his shotgun. I mean, he got cl as close as he could. He shot the head of the gator. The head flew off of the gator because it was porcelain. <laughs> it cost him $600. Do you know who your enemy is? Do you recognize your enemy? Now, I didn't grow up in church. First time I went to church, I was like 17 years old. And so I haven't been uh, brought up in, in Christianity in any way, shape, or form. And so I've seen some strange things. My first day in church, I became aware of the presence of God. I got saved that day. I'd never heard the gospel. But another crazy thing happened that day. It was a Pentecostal holiness church. The pastor is preaching about the devil, who I'm not sure I believed in at the time. He jumped the pulpit. Chased the devil out the back door. First time in church. I went out the side door when I left. But you know what I've learned? The enemy is real. Amen. He is real. So my pastor is teaching me to preach and teach. So he took me to an asylum to pray for a lady. Have y'all been to an asylum before? Listen, there's, you'll meet Jesus. There are about 80 of them in there. Everybody mocks the Lord. And so we're ministering to this lady, and her eyes are rolling around in her head and all this crazy stuff. And she looks at me, and she just gives me this demonic stare. I don't know if you've ever seen it before, but it'll freak you out. And she's just staring at me, and in this really guttural voice, she goes, Ooh, you're so ugly. It's the day I knew the devil was a liar. <laughs> what are you laughing about down there? That's a true story. So I want you to get this in your mind. You are in a war. I mean, it's a war. There's no Geneva Convention. He doesn't play fair. He's going to hit you when you're at your weakest. Right. 
So in my life, I went through a hard, hard season. I'd been called by the Lord to start a new church, and we started in a funeral home. We really knew how to get down. People were coming to get stoned. You guys got to work with me on this. Come on, work with me. It's a grave situation. So we're going through all this, and the week before in that funeral home, I had buried my dad and done his funeral service. And I was under so much stress at the time in my life that I had a panic attack. Anybody ever had those? With my personality, that's not something I'd ever expect to happen. But my body was vibrating on a bed, and I could not stop it. It was one of the most incredible things I've ever experienced. And so I know that people in real life are under incredible stress in their lives and anxiety and all that they go through. So we're going to talk this morning a little bit about spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.10 says, finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God. How many of y'all have been taught about the armor? Good. What good to do to get dressed up outside if you've got a scheme working on the inside? Put on the armor of God so that you'll be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. People are not the enemy. But they feel like the enemy, don't they? When somebody's offended you and somebody's hurt you and somebody's abused you, it's, I mean, you think that they are the enemy. Would you agree? When the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, how often should we forgive? Seven times 70? How many of y'all know 490 is not a magic number? I'm sorry, this is Alabama. Anybody got a calculator? Seven times. Oh, that's two. That's two. And so seven is the number of perfection. You forgive until that thing is perfected on the inside of you. You can bless and not curse anymore. But people aren't the enemy. Look what he says. We're not struggling against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against world forces of darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And so when I was in high school and college, I was on a wrestling team. Wrestling is not something you do far away. It's in your face. And the scripture is saying that the enemy's wrestling with us. And what the enemy's trying to do is have a scheme against your life, as a scheme is a hidden plan for your destruction. It begins really early in a person's life, and you can trace it all the way through their life. In my life, my scheme was abandonment. When I was young, our house burnt to the ground, our farm burnt to the ground. And my dad fell on his knees, he had six kids. And he just raised his hands, he shook a fist at God and said, what good does it do to work hard? It's always going to burn. My dad believed that God totally abandoned him. We got everything built back up, the farm got restored, we got the house built back, and a few years later, three tornadoes came through our area, didn't destroy the house, but destroyed all of our equipment and the new barn and all of the crops. So my father believed that God had abandoned him. Now I want to say this to you. Who's the author of evil? Come on, who's the author of evil? Who introduced all this garbage into this world? Who put it in the heart of men to sin? Why are you getting mad at God and not blaming the enemy? Listen, I want, I don't, I want you to remember this the rest of your life. The enemy is the enemy. People are not the enemy. God is not the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Why don't you start getting mad at the enemy? Now, when I grew up, I had three brothers, and if you, we were the Warner brothers, and if you picked on one, you're going to get all of us. So one day, this guy beat me up, big guy, high school guy, I was a junior high, and my brothers got so mad, we went over to his house, his mom answered the door, 
Well, she answered the door, my two other brothers snuck in the back door, dragged him out of his bedroom, dragged him out in the park and beat him up. We go after the enemy. Most people are incredibly passive in terms of dealing with the enemy in their life and recognizing there is a scheme of destruction. That abandonment thing in my life, can you imagine being a pastor and struggling with the emotion of abandonment when you deal with people? People never leave churches, do they? And so this abandonment thing really worked in my life, the abandonment, the rejection, and fear of being abandoned. And so I had to deal with the schemes in my life. 2 Corinthians 2.11, so that Satan, take no advantage would be taken of us by Satan, for we're not ignorant of his schemes. In my opinion, most people are completely, totally ignorant about the schemes of the enemy. I mean, they're ignorant about it. They're, they're angry with God. They're frustrated with people. Listen, I've, I want to give you a clue how to win spiritual warfare. Learn to agree with the enemy. If he says you're worthless, say, thank you for reminding me, apart from the grace of God, I'd have no value. If he says, you know, you ought to be ashamed, say, you know, you're so right, thank you for reminding me. If God hadn't forgiven me, I'd be full of shame. I agree with my enemy all day long. And when you agree with somebody, it's really hard for him to fight with you. You ever notice that? Gen gentlemen, if you would learn to just say this to your wife constantly, I was, come on guys, roar, roar, roar. come on guys, come on, say it. And when she starts talking to you, just learn to say it up front, you'll save so much time. Your wife is not the enemy, your husband's not the enemy, the enemy is the enemy. And so we got people dealing with all this stuff in their lives, abandonment and rejection and, and mental torment and anguish. I mean, people are going through some stuff out there. The whole gender thing that's going on out there. I mean, I've brought at least 75 people out of a gay lifestyle, guys and girls. I live in Orlando, the home of Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse goes to our church. I hope you're not disappointed. There's 180 Mickey Mouses. Mickey Mouse is about this tall. Her name is Sue. <laughs> But Sue came out of drugs and all the different stuff, finally got a job at Disney, got saved, and I'm telling you, she decided I can't work there anymore, the influence. Flee, flee from that stuff. And so I'm telling you, God really honored that in her life. She was making a fortune out there being Mickey Mouse. She gave it all up to pursue the Lord. And today, she's one of my proudest disciples. She does missions all over the world. I'm so proud of her. But you know what? She, she just struggled and fought against this stuff. And so I want you to look in your Bibles at James 5, a scripture that we know, a scripture that you've heard many different times. It says, is any among you suffering? Suffering. The word suffer there means, are any of you afflicted? Are any of you emotionally struggling? Are any of you ever suffering from mental anguish, from torment, from anxiety? Our society is living on antidepressants. We were helping a guy trying to come out of all of that stuff. His doctor had him on 15, his psychiatrist had him on 15 antidepressants. Our society does not know how to handle the stuff that we're dealing with. And I want to suggest to you that we need to do what the Bible says when we have mental anguish and torment and guilt and shame and all the other stuff that goes with it. Is any among you suffering? He must praise. Anybody cheerful? Let him sing praises. Is anybody among you sick? Sick means to be feeble without any strength, to feel helpless like you can't go on. The day I had that panic attack, I'm telling you, I felt totally, totally wiped out. I was so weak I couldn't get up out of my bed. I thought I was dying. Have you ever been there? 
where you feel that stress and anxiety and fear and all of it comes on you at the same time. And you're suffering losses and people don't know how to grieve their losses. And so we go through these cycles of pain and suffering, wondering where God is. And Satan is out there trying to make us angry at God. He's trying to blame God for the evil that's in our lives. You know, we, we get to deal with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Any of you have to drive out in the world today and see all the stuff that's out there? You should come to Orlando today. Downtown Orlando is full of rainbows. You know why it's full of rainbows? Because the terrorist guy that attacked the nightclub. The gay community in Orlando has literally taken over our city. Gay pride days, downtown Orlando, all the stuff that goes on. Our, our world is sick and it's perverted. And I'm telling you, the author of that is not God. Our God is a righteous God. He's a perfect God. His ways are right altogether. Totally. God is not the author of evil. Say it with me. God is not the author of evil. Say it again. God is not the author of evil. The enemy is the enemy. Come on, say it out loud. The enemy is the enemy. Stop getting mad at flesh and blood. You're wrestling against principalities and powers. What does it say if you're sick? Let them call for the elders of the church. And they're to pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up, and if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven. What an incredible promise out of the Scripture. If you sin, you'll be forgiven. If you're sick, if you're under mental torment and anguish, God says he can make you whole, he can make you well. You don't have to live your life in depression. One of my favorite stories in the scriptures, y'all remember the old worship song that says, he's the glory and the lifter of my head? Do you know where that song came from? If you were a slave in someone's house in the Old Testament, you were never allowed to look the master in the eye, you kept your head down. But if you were really faithful and you really worked hard, and he decided, the head of the house decided to take you from being a servant to a son, he'd put two fingers under his chin and lift his head without saying a word, he'd look him in the eye. He's the glory and the lifter of my head. God has lifted our heads. He's forgiven our sin. He's taken our shame. And you know what? He's lifted my head up. I don't struggle with anxiety and depression anymore like I did when I was younger. I've been absolutely, totally set free. I've been anointed with oil. I've been prayed for by the elders. I believe the scripture is true. I put my faith not in man, not in oil certainly, but certainly in the word of God. So if the scripture says you can be anointed with oil and that elders can pray for you and if you sinned, it's going to be forgiven and God will heal you and restore you, it's up to you to believe the word of God. Luke 4.18, a scripture you know. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? He's anointed us to preach the gospel of the poor. Yes, we're feeding 100 families a week right now in our church. He sent us to proclaim release to captives. You don't have to live your life bound up. And most of the people that are bound up are bound up with fear and anxiety. I'm not going to live in fear by the grace of God. Recovery is sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed. You don't have to live in oppression and depression. You can have the joy of the Lord. He can take it off of you. 
Look at the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 5.23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you entirely, all of you. And may your spirit and your soul and your body be preserved and complete without blame at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will also bring it to pass. What is it that God's going to bring, a pass, bring to pass in your life once you're saved or born again? I'm going to make you whole. He's not going to stop. It's not just salvation. I'm going to deal with you mentally, and I'm going to deal with your emotions, and I'm going to cleanse you of all the unrighteousness. I'm going to make you whole. And he who began the good work, the Spirit of God that came into you when you got born again, said, I am not going to quit until I get this thing completed in your life. God is not going to give up on you. You might give up on yourself. You might say, you know what? I'm depressed. I'm always going to be depressed. And that's my identity. But that is not what the scripture says. You don't have to suffer through this world. The spirit of God says, I can, I'm willing, I can make you whole. Body, soul, and spirit. You know what? You don't got to worry about your body. At the resurrection, you get a new one. Get over yourself. I, I, I have two daughters. I've never seen them walk by a mirror that they didn't look in. One day I said, what are you looking for? Perfection. Forget about it. It's not going to happen. Let it go. We're so focused on the physical things of this world. Your spirit, when you got born again or saved, that was your spirit. The part of you that was made to have a relationship with God. The scripture says, you know, in Ephesians 1, your spirit is sealed. You have God's seal of approval on your life. But the battle is in your soul. The battle is between your ears. The battle is in your emotions. The battle is in your soul and the decisions that you make. Don't we all struggle with emotions? I mean, all of us. Do you know what it's like to lose Tim Tebow? <laughs> to not have a winning team and I, I can't remember. Y'all pray for me. It's painful. But we suffered abuses. People have gone through so much in their lives. I do a lot of counseling and personal ministry for people's lives. And the amount of people who have suffered abuse is, is it's unbelievable. I'm going to say it's up in the 70 percentile. It's unbelievable. What is a normal family? There doesn't seem to be one in our society anymore. I was recently out of state ministering, and I was trying to help a pastor's daughter. And this guy is the best father I think I've ever met. He did it right. But he didn't know that a neighborhood kid molested his little girl when she was seven. Stuff goes on, doesn't it? But God says, I'm the restorer. God says, I'm here to defeat all the power of the enemy. The enemy does not have authority over you unless you give it to him. I was in the Caribbean, not on the beautiful tourist side of the Caribbean. I was in the inner part of the island. And we were dealing with demonic stuff and voodoo like you can't imagine. And I was sleeping in this garage apartment. It was a thousand degrees. And the god of the volcano appeared in my room. Bragging about how many children have been sacrificed on that mountain. And I was asking the Lord that night. I was weeping over that island. People don't get saved on that island. What's wrong with that island? 
there was division between the two churches. But I got them to repent to each other. And you know what? That night, 37 people got saved. The God of the volcano, I watched him fall. I'm telling you, we have the power of God available to us. Power over sickness and disease and everything else. You know what? We've got people in our church that have been sick for years and years and years. And you know what? We still pray for them constantly. We pray for them. We anoint them with oil. You know what? I'm not going to quit and I'm not going to give up. Because Jesus said, keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking, knock, knock, knock. I get up every morning, every morning. I'm in the same place at the same time doing the same thing in the Word of God and praying and knocking and knocking and knocking. My wife has been sick with limes for 20 years, suffering with this stuff. I know what it's like to go through hard times, tough times. I understand what people live through with extended periods of sickness in their life. But you know what? I am not going to bring my experiences and let them pull me down. I'm going to bring my experiences up to the level of the Scripture. And I'm going to believe the scripture over my experience every single time. Because God is not a liar. God's promises are true. His promises are true. We were, we were overseas and we, we were in South America. And there was a guy there. He had diabetes severely. And his legs from the knee down were black. His feet were black. And they wanted to amputate. They should have amputated a long time ago. We were there for three days. And over three days, he got prayed for. I don't know how many times he got anointed with oil. And in the last service, he walked up and he wore shorts to church for the first time. His legs were pure white. You could see his veins. All the blackness was gone. All the death was completely gone. I'm telling you, I want to see more of those things. Don't you? I want to see more of those things. But what's our responsibility? To do what the scripture says. Let the elders anoint us with oil. Let them pray over us. If we sinned, our sin will be forgiven. It'll be forgiven. And by the grace of God, we can become whole. But I want you to know this scripture in James 5 that we've used all these years is predominantly not talking about physical healing. It's talking about the healing of your soul. Because I'm telling you, if you get your soul healed, your body will respond. It is the way that it works. I promise you that. So allow God to take away your bitterness. Allow God to take away your anxiety. Allow God to get you off your 25 different medications. Find the grace of God. Forgive. Release. Walk in joy. I got the joy of the Lord. I get, the, I get new mercy every morning. Every morning I get up. Doesn't matter how much I screwed up the day before, I get new mercy today. If only we'd do that for each other, wouldn't life be great? New mercy. So this morning, we're going to do that. We're going to anoint people with oil. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come, the elders to come, prayer teams to come. We're going to break out some oil. You know what kind of oil we use, right? If you need deliverance, we use castor oil. If you're from Pennsylvania, we use Penn's oil. 
we're flexible up here. I'm telling you, we're flexible up here, okay? Now listen, I barely touched on the subject of schemes. It's all laid out in here. You're welcome to get it. It explains what schemes are and how they work and how to defeat them. And that's outside. But we're just going to begin to worship a little bit, and we're going to anoint people with oil. We are not up here to hear the history of your life. Come up to somebody and say, my struggle is anxiety or fear or I'm physically ill. Whatever it happens to be, give us a brief little thing, and we're just going to anoint you with oil, and we're going to pray over you. Amen? Let's stand together. Father, we agree with your word. People are not our enemy. Our enemy is our enemy. And Father, you said that we could overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. And Lord, we plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over this house this morning. We curse the schemes of the enemy over this house this morning. And Father, your word says that Jesus came to set us free. And Father, we bind all the oppression off of the people of God today. All the anxiety and all the heaviness and the sickness and disease. We say it's the will of God. I would that you be whole, body, soul, and spirit. And he who began the good work promises to complete the work. So God, we take you at your word today that you will do this good work and you will complete this good work in the name of the Lord Jesus.